loving God, modeling Christ, and serving others. This is the Hope for Macomb podcast. If you were here on Christmas Eve, Pastor George and I did something a little bit different where we just kind of shared the message slot. So the sermon today is going to be about an hour and 15 minutes because there are two of us. I'm just kidding. There are just two of us up here. But we, uh, we wanted to share a story um, kind of like we did on Christmas just about what Easter meant to us growing up and how as pastors, um, how Easter has impacted us and what it, how it's impacted our faith really and uh, I share kind of a, a strange story because n- many of you are probably share a similar story. You grew, up in, you grew up in the church, and that's not the strange part. I think that probably a lot of people here grew up in the church. They grew up in Christian homes, and if you didn't, that's okay too because you'll probably find some relevance to what we're going to talk about as well. But growing up in a Christian home pretty much my whole life and going to church every single week, I'll be honest, I, didn't get a, I just didn't get Easter, I didn't really understand it. I mean, if somebody would have said, Caleb, what's Easter all about when I was 10 years old, I could have told you, well, Jesus rose from the dead. Um, But have you ever had something in your life that just kind of clicks with you and you realize how significant something was later on in life? You're later on in life and something just clicks with you and something you've known your whole life is, is true and maybe you've regurgitated that information and all of a sudden you begin to understand the real implications of that thing that you realize. And that's what it was for me in Easter. Growing up in a Christian home, going to church on Sunday, every, every Sunday and Easter every year and going to the sunrise service and going to breakfast. It was, to me, it was like, well, what's, what's the big deal? Until one day, it just kind of clicked for me. And maybe it's because I'm just a little bit slow. Um, but it was in 2013, actually, since I've been here, I've known that Jesus rose from the dead my whole life. But when Pastor George asked me to preach on Easter in 2013, all of a sudden I realized, oh, I think that's kind of a big deal. And and I'm trying to be humble, but I was kind of in in shock by the idea of it. And as I was preparing for Easter, probably two months out, as I read the account of the resurrection, as I read the stories of Jesus going to the cross, all of a sudden it just began to become more and more real to me that the idea that Jesus rose from the dead is actually the very cornerstone of our entire faith and everything I had known up till then was true and everything that I had known up to then really what hung in the balance of Jesus raising from the dead is the entirety of our faith. And that was just a little story about my life. And in 2013, when I had the opportunity to preach the gospel message and, and the message of Easter, it just has meant something different to me ever since that day. It's awesome. Growing up in a Christian family, too, uh, my early memories of Easter, they go back to when I was just a little, little boy. And uh, similarly, for many of you and for you, Pastor Caleb, my home was a Christian home and my dad was the pastor, so we grew up right down the street. There was the church there was the fire station and there was the parsonage. Anybody remember what those names even mean? The house the pastor lived in. And so Sundays were always special to us, but I mean Christmas and Easter were at a whole different level. As a child, I mean Christmas, all the gifts, the fun, the family, the food, and the church choir presentations and the kids programs. Christmas was great. But Easter too really stood out from the time I was a little, little boy is just different. It was a different day. We had to get up early every Sunday, you know, six, seven o'clock because we had to be at church early to open up the doors and welcome people. That's what our family did the whole time I grew up. But Easter Sunday, it was a lot 
earlier. I mean, anybody remember sunrise services? Anybody go to those? It was 4 a.m. I mean, on the East Coast, the sunrise is an hour earlier than here in Michigan. 4 a.m. We were up, and uh, many, many churches haven't done sunrise services in a long, long time. My predecessor here, Art Boymuk, he had a real good sense of humor. He said he had a good arrangement with God. He promised if God wouldn't disturb him before 6 a.m., he wouldn't disturb God. So we didn't have sunrise services. We've had Easter breakfasts and special celebrations. But my parents are 85 and 82. They were still up this morning, 4 a.m. The little church they serve in their retirement still had a sunrise service. And at our church, it was strange in a lot of ways, not just the early morning. The trumpets were playing outside on those cold mornings on a rock outside of our church. We gathered to worship outside that day on a, like a hilltop to see the sunrise over the farm pastures beyond our little country church. And a lot of things were strange. The men cooked breakfast. I mean, is that not weird? Go back a generation ago, the men cooked breakfast for the ladies right after the sunrise service. And then everybody went back home. They came back at 11 for a special service. It was a crazy day, a different day than any other day. And what amazed me, because my parents were really busy in the life of the church, when we got home as little kids, it was so exciting, we did a jelly bean hunt. I mean, now you guys get all kinds of chocolates and stuff. We had jelly beans hidden all over our house. The black jelly beans were on our black switch plates, the yellow ones in the crease of our yellow kitchen table, all over the house were these jelly beans. I don't know when my mom did that. Maybe 2 a.m., I don't know. But they were everywhere. We had a great time as a family, and we went back to worship again. So Easter was really special for me as a kid. But similarly, I think growing up in a Christian home, you hear the message, you know the story. Many of you here today, you may know the story, but have you taken Christ all the way into your life as the Lord of your life? And for me, it was a freshman in college at the State University, hearing a lot of different ideas from secular professors, many of them atheists, wondering at 18, is my faith really mine, or was it really my mom and dad's faith, my family's faith? And at 19, I transferred to a Christian university, Liberty University, my sophomore year, and met a man that a lot of you know, Gary Habermas, because he grew up right down the street at a sister church, Redeemer Church, and he was a philosophy professor at Liberty. He spent his whole life, really, on the evidences of Jesus' resurrection, even doing his PhD at Michigan State University. You heard me right, Michigan State University gave him a PhD in the historical evidence for Jesus' resurrection, that for me as an adult, I begin to write, it's really true. It's true. It's biblical. It's historical. It's real. And even as a little kid, I understood the seriousness of death. Jesus conquered death and sin. It sunk deeper into my heart, and it still does today. Yeah. I, think it's, I think it's common for people who grew up in the, the, the faith and who are still practicing to have a faith crisis, kind of like what you mentioned. I had one as well my freshman year of college at Bible school. That's an odd place probably to have a faith crisis, but it's when you're on your own and you begin to ask those questions. Is this faith my parents um, and is it really for me? Uh, as we were talking earlier just about that, that sermon preached in 2013, there was a verse that really just it stuck out to me because the way that Christianity sometimes pitches the idea of, of Jesus' death on the cross and salvation of sin, it kind of ends there. And so often growing up, I heard Jesus died on the cross for your sins so you can go to heaven when you die. That's true, and that is good news. 
but there is also more to it than that in the sense that Jesus didn't just die that so, that you, so that we could have life everlasting. He, he died so that we could also have life more abundantly now. Amen. How cheap is it for us to say, well, Jesus died on, my cross, on the cross for my sins so I can go to heaven when I die. But what about the abundance of life we might be missing out now? Because Jesus died for that as well. In John 10.10, 10, it says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy And this is what Jesus said in the passage about the good shepherd and his sheep, and we are the sheep, and he is our shepherd. And he says this, I came that you may have life, and you may have it abundantly. And there's something about embracing Jesus for more than just the man who died on on the cross for our sins. There's something about embracing his resurrection as well. It gives us life. In preparation, I was reading uh, N.T. Wright. I don't know, you may have heard of him or not. He wrote a book called Surprised by Hope. He's an expert on the resurrection. And this quote just hit me uh, kind of upside the head a couple years ago. It says, the point of the resurrection is that the present bodily life is not valueless just because it will die. What you do with your body in the present matters because God has a great future in store for it. What you do in the present by painting, by preaching, by singing, suing, praying, teaching, building hospitals, digging wells, campaigning for justice, writing poems, caring for the needy, loving your neighbor as yourself will last into God's future. These activities are not simply ways of making the present life a little less beastly, a little more bearable until the day when we leave it behind. This is big. They are part of what we may call building for God's kingdom. Our lives are to be lived abundantly as we build the kingdom of God. And when our lives are, 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 are lived abundantly, and the word abundantly to me, it means that, it doesn't mean that it's gonna be easy all the time. Does it mean, it mean that the Christian walk is just a, a walk in the park? No, that's not what it means. I believe that when we live abundantly, it means that we live with hope. We live with the hope that the cornerstone of our faith is that Jesus rose from the dead and that he actually rose from the dead. It's awesome. You know, death is real. And as a little child, I mentioned I already understood death because my dad lost his mom at 11, his dad at 19. My mom lost her mom when she did two babies. I wasn't born yet. And so I didn't know my grandparents. The one living grandparent, he died when I was just four or five years old. I have very few memories of him. But you talk about death, and Jesus came to conquer death and all our sin. The one memory I have as a little boy, uh, a lot of joyful memories in my home growing up, but my mom was really close to her dad. Any daddy girls in the house here, you can admit it, it's okay. She was a daddy's girl, loved her dad very much. Her dad sacrificed so much for our family. He was already widowed as a young man, and he kept working, and he provided and helped our family. As my dad went off to Bible college, He gave, can you imagine, in 1964, I was a brand new baby, two other kids, he gave $50 a week, every week for four years while my dad went through Bible college as a middle-aged man changing his career to go on into ministry. I mean, he sacrificed for our family. He was headed to Vermont one day on a vacation because he used to work there. He turned around halfway to Vermont and returned to Maine. He said, why am I going on vacation? I'm alone. I'm not going to have that much fun. With the same money I could spend on vacation, I could buy my grandkids a new swing set. And he came with a brand new swing set. 
and set it up in our yard. When my parents were in Bible college and had no money for swing sets. And when he died, uh, quite suddenly, uh, at 65, I was just a little boy. I have one memory of my grandpa. Can you imagine this? His funeral. In those days, we didn't have seatbelts, so I sat in between my mom and dad in the front seat, other siblings in the back, and my mom, I have this memory of her sobbing, getting out of the car to go into the funeral home to say goodbye to her dad. And as a little boy, I have that memory of death. Death is not what God intended. I mean, Christ went to the cross, and he rose again to not only conquer sin, but to conquer death. Amen. As a little boy, not much after that, my dad shared this Bible verse with me. You all know it. You'll think, ah, oh, it's the most common verse in the world. Why are you sharing this one right now? John 3, 16. I'd like you to say it with me. I believe it's right here on the screen. It's the gospel in a nutshell. Amen. Summarizes all of God's plan. You think of it as being a childlike verse, and it's the verse my dad used to lead me to faith. As a little boy, I said, how can I know I'll go to heaven when I die? shortly after my grandpa died. And he shared John 3.16 with me, and I prayed with him, kneeling beside their bed. Uh, would you just say this verse with me, just as an affirmation of your faith? If you mean that last phrase, whoever believes in him has eternal life, even today, through your doubts, through your questions, through your own faith crisis, like we've had faith crises, if you will believe, you're promised life eternal and mm-hmm. life abundant. Let's say it together with the reference first. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. As a little child I got that God loved us and that's what this verse teaches us. A lot of powerful Jews. What's the source of love? God. What's the extent of his love? The whole world. The third little secret. The question is Um, What's the sacrifice? His only son. And what's the result? Any of you, even here today, who believe for the very first time, you have God's gift to you, eternal life. There are a lot of other beautiful verses in the Bible. I'll take you to one question. If you have questions today, in John's Gospel, chapter 20, I'll just read a few verses, 24 to 28, very quickly. It's a resurrection story. If you have doubts today, uh, anybody ever have a doubt? Pastor Caleb and I are right here with our hands up. Ever have questions about your faith? You're in good company, because the 12 apostles, they were all running for their lives after he died. They had a lot of questions. In John's Gospel, chapter 20, verses 24 to 28, tell us of one person, Thomas, one of the 12. I mean, he didn't believe He had so many doubts and questions too. He was known as Didymus, one of the 12. He was not with the disciples when Jesus came. That very first visit, he didn't see it. He didn't see the risen Christ. And in verse 25, it goes on to explain, so the other disciples told him the great news. We've seen the Lord. But he said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my fingers right where the nails were, put my hand into his side, remember the spear. He saw it thrust up into his heart cavity and blood and water came out. He was really dead. If I don't see and put my hands in those holes, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. Thomas was with them, and though the doors were locked, did you get that? They were afraid and hiding. Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace to you. 
Then he said to Thomas, don't you love this? Who's the first person he seeks out? The doubter, the one with questions. He remembered you in Bible college. He remembered me at the State University too. And he remembers all of you. He's going to come to you if your heart's open. Come to him with your questions and doubts. He'll reveal himself to you, I promise it. He said, reach out your hands. Put it in my side. Listen to Jesus' four most profound words. Stop doubting and believe. Believe. Thomas, right here, gives the highest declaration of Jesus' deity found anywhere in the Bible. Are you ready for these very few words, five words? My Lord and my God. He worshiped him. We pray you'd worship him here today, too. The last verse I'll share with you is in John's Gospel, chapter 6. And we'll just think of this. Jesus' teachings were tough. I mean, it was hard. Thousands came when he first preached. They were fed. Many were healed. But then he began to teach tougher things. You know what he began to say in John 6? If you don't eat my body, drink my blood, if you don't take me into your life, you have no part of me. And I mean, they were freaking out. <laughs> Cannibalism? What is he talking about? They were perplexed. And for this time forward, many of the disciples, they turned back. They no longer followed Jesus. I mean, have things become tough for you? Has his teaching become hard? Has your life become tough? And you're ready to walk away? That's where many of them were. And he asked the 12 this question. And I ask all of you here today, do you want to leave too? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, remember he's the one that denied him three times. Thomas doubted him. Judas betrayed. They were all sinners just like you and me. But he said this, Lord, I say this today, where else can we go? To whom else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Amen. And we just ask you to bow your hearts for just a moment. We're going to sing one of my favorite hymns of the faith and close the service welcoming our new members. We're at landing time, but this is really important. If you would bow your heads and hearts with me, I know Caleb and I are putting our hands up because we've had faith crises and we may again. We've had questions and doubts and we may again. If you have doubts today or questions about Jesus and about faith in Christ, would you slip your hand up just for prayer? Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. God bless you. Come to Jesus with those questions. Take your doubts to him. Your faith crisis, be honest about it. He already knows. Anyone else for prayer today? Just to take Jesus all the way into your life with your questions, with your doubts, you're going to take him in and let him help you wrestle through the questions. Lord, you see the hands and hearts today. You see my hand. I have a lot of questions and doubts too. I don't have it figured out, that's for sure. But I do know this. You're a God and I'm not. So I humble myself to you today. I submit myself to you. I ask you to take all my sin. Take the sins of my family. Take the sins of the people gathered here at Hope Church today. The sins of the whole world you paid for. Forgive us. Cleanse us. We believe in you. As the man who came to you with their, his sick boy Lord Jesus, we believe in you. Help us to overcome our unbelief. I mean, help us to struggle forward in life. May we know what abundant living is, as Pastor Caleb shared, a life of hope in the risen Son of God. We place our faith in you today. We say we believe in you, Jesus, and we receive you in our lives. Come in all the way to this church, to your church all over the world, and every Christian family and household. This Easter Sunday, we remember this is the big Thing, the cornerstone of our faith. You died for our sins. You were buried in the real tomb. The stone rolled over. 
And you rose again the third day to conquer sin and death forever. Hallelujah. We praise you. We want to live the rest of our lives abundantly, living richly and fully in your hope. And we can't wait to live all of eternity. Well, we'll have no more questions, no more doubts, no more sin that day because it's completed. And we praise you for Easter and all it means. And we just surrender our lives to you because it's truly because he, Jesus, lives that we can face tomorrow. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor George Johnson. Thank you for listening today. The hope for Macomb and the entire world is Jesus. We pray that you commit your life to following Jesus. If we can help you in any way, either in coming to receive Jesus for the first time or in taking those important next steps in your walk with Christ, please do not hesitate to contact us. God bless you and keep you close to himself. The Hope for Macomb podcast is a ministry of Hope Community Baptist Church in Sterling Heights, Michigan. Visit us online at hope4macomb.com. 